So good. Hey, stand to your feet. Remain standing today. Hey, I want to say it is so amazing to be in KC, y'all. Come on, somebody. There's nothing like middle America, y'all. Come on, man. You, I mean, you can tote your guns without any shame, y'all. Come on, somebody. I love this place. I'm so grateful to be here at Summit Park. This is truly an honor. I mean, look at this building, y'all. Isn't this building amazing? I, I honestly pray that you don't get used to this. This is an absolute miracle that you all get to stand in every single week. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, man, I just think, I, I, I'm telling you all, I, I, I just used the bathroom. And I was thanking God for your bathroom. You're like, come on. Our, our bathrooms don't have stalls, y'all. Come on, somebody. Come on. We are a church without walls and a church without stalls, y'all. Come on, somebody. And uh, this walk in the kids' ministry and looking at what God is doing in this place is an absolute miracle. Come on, can we get up for God, for what God is doing at Summit Park? Come on. And uh, I hope you know, I, I know that you know, but I just want to remind you uh, and hope that you know that you have some of the greatest leaders here at this church. Come on, Pastor Scott and Jen are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me. You all may be seated today. Uh, it's truly an honor to be here, man. I love coming to KC. My uh, my wife sends you greetings. My wife Brittany. I have two girls, Jalen and Jada. And uh, man, we are church planners. We started a church about four years ago in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we we are so honored to to lead that work, that move of God that's happening there. But I tell you what, man. Every time we come to Summit Park, I I I, I get better, y'all. I'm telling you, I steal everything that this church does, right? Then I take it back to Richmond, Virginia, and I give you all zero credit, y'all. Come on, somebody. Like, people are like, Pastor, how come you always come back better? Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it. Let me do my thing, y'all. But uh, it is so honored uh, to, to be here. Um, I do have a, a word from God that I want to uh, share with you. I really believe for this new season uh, that I really believe that your church is walking in. And uh, I know it's just a building that you are experiencing and the building across the street and the Ford campaign and all the outreach that you're doing. And I really believe that the Lord is really shifting this ministry and, and more specifically shifting your life uh, to a new season. And I would love to share God's word. Uh, with you. Uh, Acts chapter 9. I want to read from Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 10. And uh, let's see what the Lord says. Acts 9, verse 10. It says this In Damascus, there was a certain disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias he says, Yes, Lord, his answer. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, uh, for he's praying to me right now. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, uh, but Lord said Ananias, Go. Uh, th th this, th this man is my chosen instrument uh, uh, to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to the kings, to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17, then the Lord, uh, then Ananias went to the house and entered it and placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul. 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on a road, has come, has come as you were and was coming here. He has sent me so that you may, be, you may see again and that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, and immediately, everybody say immediately. Come on, immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he can see once again. And he got up and he was baptized after taking some food. He regained his strength. Father, I pray, Lord, uh, that you may bypass my limited wisdom, my limited experience, and speak right to your people. God, thank you for the gathering of your saints that we can just gather together like a huddle and hear your game plan so that we can run the play of life and building the kingdom of God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So here in this text and this passage of scripture, we're introduced to uh, a man uh, we know him as uh, Saul. Uh, Saul is uh, just an enemy of God. But, you know, after a few moments after we read this scripture, we see that Saul's name has changed from Saul to the Apostle Paul. And many of us are really familiar with uh, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is an amazing man of God. He is responsible for writing over two-thirds of the New Testament scriptures that you and I get the whole truth to. Uh, The Apostle Paul is responsible for starting churches all outside of the Gentile, outside of the Jewish world, into the the Gentile world. So, no, you and I, we get to hear this glorious gospel because of men like the Apostle Paul. He's given us pastoral theology. He's given us uh, a biblical theology. He's given us all type of truths about this faith that we all adhere to. Uh, And so this guy, the Apostle Paul, is somebody who... We all love and we all respect, and I really believe that in heaven, there will be a section reserved for the Apostle Paul. Come on, somebody. I mean, he is so amazing, and I am so grateful for the work and the ministry of the Apostle Paul, how God has used him to give us insight into teachings of Jesus and teachings of our faith that really builds us, and that really allows us to apply it to our everyday life, the Apostle Paul. But before he was the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul was an enemy of the church. Uh, He hated God, and he hated anybody who called on the name of Jesus. He grew up in such a religious nature world that he could not transfer his religious background into the new covenant and the new kingdom that Jesus established here on this earth. So with all all passion and purpose and zeal, uh, Saul would travel around Jerusalem and the greater area and try to find anybody who called on Jesus' name, and he would bring them before the high priest, and eventually they would get stoned to death. See, Saul's main job was to find anybody who hated God and and who, who called on Jesus' name because he had such a hatred towards Jesus. In fact, we see that in the previous chapter that he was the one who consented of the death of of the evangelist Stephen, who was a great man of God, and Stephen ended up being stoned to death. So this guy, Saul, is an enemy of the church. And I love it that here in this text, in chapter 9, it begins that we didn't get to read today, but in chapter 9 begins with Saul literally on his way to a new city trying to find more Christians so that he can persecute and kill. And so while he was chasing after God's people, Saul didn't know that God was chasing after him. 
And I'm just like really grateful that you and I, we get to serve a God who chases after people. Our God is a God that no matter where you are going and no matter who you are, no matter how far you may be from God, no matter how much of an enemy of God that you may be, we still serve a God who is filled with love and who is filled with grace and who always chases his people down. Aren't you grateful today that you serve a God who chased you down today? Come on. Are you grateful for the grace of God? That even while you were a sinner, Christ died for you? Come on. Aren't you grateful that even while you were an enemy of the church, that God came here on this earth to go to the cross for you? Because I am so grateful that we serve a chasing God. Come on, somebody. And you may have somebody in your life that don't know Jesus, but guess what? God is relentlessly chasing after them. He's relentlessly chasing after you because that is who our God is. He's a chasing God. And one day, this chapter tells us about the encounter when God finally catches up to Saul. And it's almost like Saul was in the middle of the road, and the Bible says in chapter 9 that God stopped Saul in the middle of the road. He peeled back the clouds and said to Saul, Saul, don't you know that when you hurt my people, it's like you're hurting me. I feel what they feel. And it's almost like God's giving us an insight into like literally the heart of God in that moment because he's he just reminding even you and I that whenever you're walking through hardship and walking through issues, your God feels what you feel. And so literally what happened in that encounter with Saul and God is like, you know, the, the Bible says that something like scales came over the eyes of Saul. And for the first time physically, Saul is experiencing what he's always been spiritually. He's always been blind, blinded by religion, blinded by anger, blinded by pain. And literally the Bible says this, that Saul walks his way into Damascus by his feelings because that's what blind people do. They're led by their feelings and not by faith. So literally, the Bible says this, that, that Saul, he feels his way, and he ends up inside this house where he's completely blind, and the Bible also says that he's all alone by himself. And by the way, that's exactly what the world that we get to live in. We are filled, it's filled with people that is blinded from God, and blinded from purpose, and blinded from vision, and, and literally blinded from the grace of God. And by the way, they're by themselves, and they're all alone, and this is why the church of Jesus Christ exists so that you and I, we can reach people who are blind and who are all alone and give them into the family of God. This is our call as God's people. But today, I didn't really come to talk to you about the Apostle, Saul, the Apostle Paul uh, or Paul or Saul, whoever you want to call him. He's an amazing man of God. But the, the day I come and talk to you about this random guy and this random disciple named Ananias. Ananias is this random guy who many of us that we don't know his background, we don't know his history. Like many times we read the Bible and you see great men or women of God, normally we know, we know where the tribe they come from, we know their background, we know their family, we know their lineage. But here in this text, this guy named Ananias, we know nothing about. And it's almost like in verse 10, the Bible says this, in Damascus there was this random disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision and says, Ananias. And I love his response. It was, yes, Lord. 
And I don't know about you, but whenever God calls my name and God calls me to do something, I don't really necessarily immediately say, yes, Lord, you know. Or even sometimes when I do say, yes, Lord, it's like a yes, Lord with a question mark in the back of it. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like, depending on what you say, I might do it. Like, depending on where you tell me to go, I might go. Depending on who you call me to, I might go to. But here in this text, what we see is that this guy, Ananias, he says yes to God even before God tells him where he's going. He says yes to God even before God tells him what to say. He says yes to God even before God tells him who to go to. Here's why. Because I believe that God is looking for people like Ananias, like these hidden heroes that's willing to say yes to Jesus even before he calls us, even before he tells us what to do because that's the response that God wants from his people. God wants us to have a yes God on the inside of us that no matter what we're going through, no matter what season we find ourselves in, God wants us to say yes. And guess what? God wants you to say yes in every season of your life. You can't live off of yesterday's yes. Come on, somebody. God is calling you to say a fresh yes today because I believe this, that God is always speaking vision over your life and God is always calling you to the next level of glory because our God calls us from glory to glory, from one place to the next, and God wants you to always have a position and a posture of yes to him. So here in this text, we got this random unknown disciple, and guess what? We don't know what stage of life he's in. He could be an empty nester, playing golf every other day, hanging out with his grandkids. Come on, somebody. He could be a young a dad who has a two-year-old, and he has no sleep at all in his life, and he's super stressed out. Come on, somebody. He could be a college student, and he's broke, have no money, and he's eating ramen noodles every other day. Come on, somebody. Like, we have no idea the stage of life this guy's in. We don't know if he's dealing with mental health problems. He has anxiety attacks and depression. We have no idea if he's struggling. He could be in between jobs and he's trying to figure out what's next for him. We have no idea of the stage or the age of this person. And here's why I believe that the, the Bible gives us zero details of this person because he, the Bible, does not want you and I to disqualify ourselves from being an Ananias. The Bible doesn't want you and I to put us ourselves in a position like, oh, that's not me. But guess what? This is you. All of us, we all are Ananias today. We're these hidden heroes, heroes that's behind the scenes doing the work. Here's what it says in verse 10. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias says, yes, Lord. The Lord told him, hey, I want you to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Isn't that cool? He says Straight Street, y'all. Come on, somebody. It could have been Cricket Street. Come on, huh? It could have been Issue Street, but he says, go to Straight Street, y'all. Come on, somebody. How ironic. He says, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying to me right now. In a vision, he's seen a man like you come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. And I love verse 13 because verse 13 is me. It says this, Lord, Ananias answer, I've heard many reports about this dude. Like, God, so you want me, a Christian, who call on your name all the time, praise God, hallelujah, come on somebody, and you want me that love to praise God to go talk to a guy who kills people who kill, who call on your name. And God was like, yeah, yeah, I want you to do that. <laughs> like, I feel that same way. Like, I feel like God wants me to, like, cause me to random stuff all the time. Like, God, why are you doing that in my life? And I love it because he says, yes, Lord. 
And I don't know about you, but I've been having all type of questions to God about this situation. You know, like, okay, so God, you want me to go, God? Yeah. And I've been saying, so God, is he like blind, blind? So like he can't see a thing. So I can go pray for him real quick, do what you want me to do, and just get about it there. And he not see me. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like all type of questions, but no, like he asked no questions. Like, okay, I'll go do it. And I love it because it's like, again, this guy's unnamed. He's, we don't know who he is. And if I was writing this story and if I was God in this story, I would not have chosen this random guy named Ananias. I probably would have chosen Peter, y'all. Come on, somebody, you know, because anybody going to fight, it's going to be Peter, y'all. Come on, somebody. I mean, Peter is always strapped with a nine millimeter in his pocket, y'all. Come on, somebody. And anytime there's a fight, he's ready to shoot somebody. Come on, y'all. Peter from Southside Chicago, y'all. I'm telling y'all, I promise. <laughs> or if it was me, I would have chose Apollos. Apollos of that day was one of the greatest orators of the scriptures. I mean, he was so clearly, if anybody was able to convince this Saul guy about this Jesus, it would have been Apollos. Or I would have called James the brother of Jesus, the one who was a leader of the church in Jerusalem, who was at that moment was having a revival of the church amongst the Jews in Jerusalem. Or I would have called John, the one who was close to Jesus, the one whom Jesus loved the most, according to John's description of himself. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I would have called all these great men or women of God, but yet he's called this random guy named Ananias to lead one of the greatest men to Jesus that we've ever seen. And here's why. Because I believe that it's in the hidden heroes, the people like you and I, whose background is not clean, who still deal with issues, who's in the middle of transition, who still got sin and problems in our lives. I believe that it's God who uses the hidden heroes, the random disciples like you and I, to make the biggest difference in the kingdom of God that we get to build, y'all. Come on. I really believe it. And here's what we experience today, like what we experience today is, is that we all get to be Ananias today. And I love it because it's such a great uh, a testament to who our God is, that he chooses random people to make a difference in the kingdom of God. I grew up in Miami, Florida. I was a track. I ran track for uh, my high school. I love running track. It was my, was my favorite uh, sport to do uh, in high school and on a varsity team. Um, you know, we would do well, but it was a shorter season than the varsity. Then I was on a JV team, and it was a shorter season than the varsity team. So at the end of the JV uh, season, they uh, allowed the top four ninth graders to go just watch the varsity team running these races. And so me and three others, uh, freshmen, we would all just hang out and have a good time, just kind of joke around, even learn from all like the seniors and the juniors and even sometimes sophomore. And so we were, this was a great, uh, you know, I mean, great experience that we had, a great exposure. And one night we're, we're headed to uh, the district championship in South Miami, Florida, Tropical Park. The stadium is packed. It's a Friday night. The lights are bright. And me and the other three freshmen, we're in the back of the bus, just really excited to watch the races. Man, the, 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 the stadium is going to be packed. Man, we were just pumped about this. And as we were getting off the bus, the athletic director comes to our coach and says, Coach, your senior hurdler cannot run in the race because he didn't meet the 2.5 GPA. And I was a hurdler, but I wasn't really worried about it because there was a sophomore hurdler and there was a junior hurdler that was in front of me. So I had no really issues or fear. I wasn't running in the race. I'm a freshman. But anyways, and so as we are warming up, no lie, both the junior and the sophomore hurts themselves as we were warming up. 
So the coach looks his eyes on me and says, Jones, you're up. Get in the blocks. I said, coach, no, I'm not getting the blocks. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I was not ready for that day. I didn't even put lotion on my knees that morning, y'all. Come on, somebody. I mean, by the way, that means my knees were white, y'all. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Just, you know, they're white. Look like a lot of y'all's knees, y'all. Come on. <laughs> and so, like, I wasn't ready for the day. I had my jumpsuit on. And, and the guy says, hey, get in the blocks, Jones. All right, all right, coach, you're making a big mistake. Those guys are faster than me hurt than me healthy. I'm telling you, coach. Coach says, Jones, get in the blocks. So I get in the blocks, and I am running against horses, y'all. I mean, <laughs> I am a pony. They are horses. Two of the people that I was running against ran in this past Olympics. This is, this is who I'm running against, y'all. I mean, they had scholarships to the University of Miami, FSU, University of South Florida, uh, UF, and all these major schools. I am running against these horses. That You got this little skinny, ashy knee, skinny ninth grader running against these horses. And those guys are oiled up. They, they look shiny. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> their muscles are built. You see every cut in their biceps and pectorals. And you got little me with my little ashy knees. You know, I'm like, all right. So honestly, I was, I was mad at my coach, but I really wasn't nervous because I knew I had no chance in the race. I knew that I was going to be in last place. So I'm like, all right, coach, I'm just doing my thing. Good experience. The crowd's there. Cool. And so literally, the guy says, only mark is set. And the race was so intense because there's so many fast runners. Everyone was nervous, and they all fall started but me. So we get back into the blocks, and the guy says, only mark is set. And again, everyone fall started but me. In the state of Florida, if you fall start twice, you're disqualified from the race. So guess who won the race that day, y'all? Come on. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> The, the, the guy told me that I still had to run a race, so literally I'm by myself running the race like. <laughs> so funny. I, I, I tell you that story because oftentimes what happens is that God calls us to run in the blocks and to get in the blocks and to run in the race. And oftentimes what happens, we disqualify ourselves from the call of God or the race that God's calling us to run. We look at our past mistakes. We look at our disabilities. Or even sometimes we look at the qualifications of the people that's next to us and say that we're not qualified. But the cool part about the race that God's calling us to run and to be a hidden hero like Ananias, it's not our job to win the race. It's our job to say yes to the race. And God would take care of the rest. And what I really believe this is that there are things in your life that God is calling you to. There are positions in this church that God is calling you to. There are outreach ministries that God is calling you to. And what he's saying to you, all he wants you to do is simply say yes. Skin the blocks. Run the race. Here in the text, there's three things that, man, I finished my intro on, again, the second service, I finished my intro, only got 12 minutes and 14 seconds left. Let me hear me run this plane. <laughs> All right, here it is. So it says this, uh, there are three things that Ananias does to be a hidden hero that I believe that we need to do. Number one is that he followed the voice of God. And I just want to just clearly let you know today that the voice of God is always speaking into your life. And, and, and I know there's so much distraction culturally, so much division, and so much issues in our world that we live in today. There's always a mass shooting and this and that and evil in our world and political divide. I think that the news is so loud in our lives, sometimes it can drown out the voice of God. And if we could be honest today, there are some of you, if you could be honest, it's been a long time since you've heard 
the voice of God for your life specifically. And I really believe that as God's people, we cannot and will not be a hidden hero and survive and thrive in the day, today's culture without being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. I really believe this, that the voice of God is always speaking and it's up to us, are we gonna quiet our souls enough so that we can hear him speak? I really believe that the voice of God speaks to us in many different ways. Number one, it could be just, just Bible study. I believe that the Lord uses his word to speak specifically to our lives. Maybe it's a pastor, I have pastors in my life that's speaking to me and literally it's the voice of God that's using the leaders in my life or, or I'm so grateful for my small group that, that I have men and women of God who speak into me and they're the very voice of God that I needed in my life. And I, I love it because it's, it's, it's even sometimes in those small moments of prayer and the voice of God come into my thoughts. But what I'm trying to tell you right now that Ananias, he followed the voice of God. Literally, he heard God call his name, and then he heard the vision over his life. Guess what? God is constantly calling your name. It's almost like you can rewrite the, the, the story. It's like in, in Lee Summit, outside of Kansas City, there was a certain disciple named blank. And the Lord called him or her in a vision and said, blank. And your response should be, yes, Lord. It's almost like our names, it should replace Ananias' name because we are that random disciple that God's calling to reach people who are all alone and who's blind in our city. And, and I really believe this, that if we're going to thrive, it's time to hear the Holy Spirit again. And guess what? Today you get the opportunity to hear from God. And today I think there's a challenge to all of us, including myself. Travis, would you, would you silence your soul and the outside noises of the world and would you hear God speak purpose and vision over your life once again? And here's the cool part. No matter how long you've been a Christian, you could have been a Christian for maybe two days or maybe discovering God here today. Or maybe you've been a, a, a Christian, a follower for God for many years. The sweet part about this is that God never stops speaking to us. The second thing that he does here in this text is that not only does he follow the voice of God, but he fellowships. Notice here in the text what happens, like verse 17. It says, Ananias went to the house and entered it, and he's placed his hands on Saul. And guess what the first words of Ananias was to Saul? If it was me, it would have been, murderer! I cannot believe you did this, you evil person! But the first words of, of Ananias to Saul is, brother Saul. Now, like, you know, as I was reading this, I was practicing this sermon, getting ready for the day. I was preaching to my daughter as she was rolling her eyes at me like, Daddy, y'all, you're almost done. She, she stopped me and she said, Dad, like, it's weird that Ananias calls him a brother. And he's not biologically, even technically, theologically a brother. He's not family and he's not right at this point accepted Christ as his savior. But I love it that it's so amazing how God uses Ananias. And Ananias has a vision of Saul's life, not for where he was, but for where he was going. And I just think that if we're going to be a hidden hero, we have to view the world and the evil around us and the people that may not follow God around us, not for where they are, but for where they can be by the power of Jesus Christ in their life. 
And I really believe that, that, that this guy Ananias had a prophetic vision over the world and over the calling over his life that he knew that his responsibility was to take people for not for where they are, but take them to where they're going and what God is calling them. I'm so grateful for people like Ananias, even in my own life. Because I know that I would not be here in this moment speaking here in Kansas City with a microphone in my hand without Ananias in my life that not only saw me for where I was, but saw me for where I was going. Because what you see right now is this guy that's communicating the gospel to you, and you guys love this, and you're like, man, man, praise God for this chocolate brother that came here all the way to Kansas City. Y'all know y'all see that, but I'm telling you what, it wasn't always like this. I never forget being in ninth grade. I, was, I didn't look like this. I had long dreads. I had gold teeth in the, in the bottom of my mouth, and I was a wannabe thug, and uh, I got arrested. And there was a, a probation officer that, officer that said, hey, if you get a, a 2.5 GPA, you will not have to maintain inside this juvenile prison, and you can go out. And so I got out, and I maintained 2.5 GPA. And, and as I was going back to my high school and, and going to school every day, in the ninth grade, I went to Miami Southridge High School, a high school that was filled with violence and predominantly African-American and Cuban high school, crazy, crazy high school, lots of fights, stuff all the time. And there was a random elderly white gentleman who came to our predominantly African-American school every Friday from a local Assembly of God church down the street. And he would pass out gospel tracts. Y'all remember gospel tracts, y'all? Come on. Let's bring back gospel tracts. Nah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> Let's leave those for the past, y'all. But, you know, but the gospel tracks, they would trick you, right? Because, like, the ones that he was passing out, he says, this is your ticket. And I thought initially it was a prom ticket, but it actually wasn't. You turn it around, like, your ticket to heaven. I'm like, come on, bro. Like, you, like, you know. And on uh, the bottom of it, it was like, this is your ticket to heaven. And come to uh, the church uh, on Friday nights. We have youth group and we have free pizza for all the first-time guests. And so we were always ignore the guy, like, oh, praise God for, like, the little, you know, guy who comes to our school, but whatever, bro. We ain't got time for that God stuff. And one night, uh, my friends and I, we were doing something that we had no business doing, and we had the munchies, if you can read between those lines. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Barb Marley, y'all. Come on, y'all. And uh, we were as high as a kite, y'all. And, and ironically, they were singing, Lord, I lift your name on high. <laughs> And so my friends and I, we were, we were hanging out, and we had the munchies, and, and one of my other friends says, hey, what about the guy, the, the elderly gentleman who gave us a, we can go to the church on Friday nights and get free pizza. <laughs> we're like, good idea. <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> so we go to the church, and by the way, it was Papa John's, not Little Caesars, y'all. Come on, somebody. Like, I think you pastors today's world, they cheat. They give y'all Little Caesars, y'all. Come on. Let's stop giving these kids Little Caesars. They won't know God, right? It's Papa John's, y'all. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants that nasty cardboard hot and ready, y'all. Come on. <laughs> and uh, we were, so we came to the church, and that night was an amazing night for me because that, that elderly white man comes to me. He was like, I'm so glad that you're here, brother. And he looked at me, literally his eyes were filled with tears. And he says, God has a plan for you. It's almost like he ignored my appearance, my smell, my intentions of being there. And he saw this moment right now before I saw this moment right now. And he saw me using my gifts for God. He saw this, and what I'm trying to tell you right now, I still don't know the name of that guy. 
I've never seen him. He stopped serving in a youth ministry. He stopped going to that church. And I, I don't know his name. I know what he looks like. I know in heaven he, God's going to connect us. Here's why. Because he was my Ananias. And I just really believe that there is a world out there that needs you to be an Ananias, that needs you to build a great church, that needs you to serve in the background. That's what I believe. I really believe it. So this is why you pack backpacks. This is why you go to serve day. This is why you serve in the background. You pour coffee and you serve in the kids' ministry. This is why you, you invite your neighbor's kids to come to the kids' camp. This is why you do that because this is our role and this is who we are. We're all called to be the random Ananiases. Look, look what he says. He says in the text, he says, not only does he follow the voice of God and not only does he fellowship with someone who's opposite of him. And by the way, it's really cool because honestly, if you want to get really dive deep into this text and look at the historical nature of it and even the political nature of it, it this is really interesting because Saul is an enemy of the church. And you and I, we are faced with political figures that are an enemy of the church and biblical values. And it's often, and what the temptation of today's culture is to be, forget the liberal people and let's gather together as God's people and stand on the word of God. Or maybe God is telling us to cross the political line and reach out to people who don't think like us and who don't look like us. And this is exactly what Ananias does in this text. Because the call of God is greater than the, the, the surface division that we see and fight over every day. Because we're called to build a kingdom of God, everybody. It doesn't matter who you're with and what style you're on, Republican or Democrat, Bloods or Crip. It don't really matter, y'all. Come on. We're called to reach people across the line. I love it. It says this, that, that not only does he fellowship with them, but lastly today what he does is that he facilitated a move of God. God uses this Ananias guy. To facilitate a move of God, the Bible says this in 18, verse 18 of chapter 9 of Acts. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he can see again. He got up, he was baptized, but taking some food, he regained his strength. What if, just what if, God is calling you and I to use us so that we may be a conduit, a facilitator of a move of God in this city? Maybe in this church. Maybe in your ministries, maybe also in your homes, in your jobs. Cool thing about this Ananias guy, we don't know where he's always, his season, but God used him. I just pray that that's your prayer today, that God, would you use me? Would you use me in the background? I really believe this, that this call of yes that Ananias has towards Jesus, it wasn't based on his giftings or his issues or even his comfort. It was based on the call of God and the urgency to see lost people like Saul turn themselves into a Paul. He facilitated the move of God. You know, and oftentimes when I'm doing Bible study, what I like to do is I like to uh, study the names that's represented in the text because oftentimes what it does, it gives us a greater revelation of the meaning of the text. And I just randomly looked up the name Saul. What does Saul mean? It simply means to be asked of God that God is calling their name. God's calling them. And the name Ananias, it stems from the Hebrew word Hinanias, and that simply means that the Lord has dealt graciously with. Isn't it crazy that whenever God is calling someone, he always connects them with those who his grace has been on. And when I think about Ananias and the definition of his name, that's you and I. 
That's the church. The grace of God has touched our life. And if you could be honest and transparent today, the grace of God has touched your life. There was moments where you felt so unworthy of this grace, but it came still in your life. And how the Lord picked you up, turned you around, and he's placed your feet on solid ground. There's been many moments that you wanted to give up and you wanted to give in, but the grace of God gave you the strength. You are here today because of this grace. And the cool part is this, is that there's a world out there that he's calling their name a.k.a. Saul. And what he's doing is, is that he always connects his grace people with the people that he's calling. And I think that, man, what if we all say yes to that calling? What if we all say yes to building even a greater church? What if we all say yes to building a better family? What if we all say yes that we're going to reach out in our jobs? What if we all say yes that, God, I will be the Ananias in my job, in my home, in my marriage, in my kids' life, in my church, in my city? I will be Ananias today. Because when I think about Ananias, you know, I'm reminded of a... um, you know, a story today um, of this uh, lunch pack. I was thinking about your uh, um, backpack outreach you got coming up, and uh, it reminds me of a story that's found in the Gospels, um, story of, of how, you know, the, remember the, the story of the, the boy who had five loaves of bread and, and two fish? You guys know that story? And how he, um, um, you know, and I preached so many sermons over the years on that story, that text. I preached sermons how we just got to be like a little boy and give God a little that we have. I also preached messages of how Jesus can take a little and make it a lot. I preached sermons on the story of how God can, you know, if we had the faith like the disciples who had the faith to walk the crowd with the basket and just praying that the basket may kept being filled so they can keep passing out bread and fish. I preached so many sermons on that narrative, but rarely do we preach sermons on the person who packed that boy's lunch that day. Because whoever packed his lunch is a real hero of the story. We don't know their name. We don't know their background. There's been no sermons preached on a lunch pack or the board. And I just think that it's really cool, interesting that you got a, you got a backpack outreach coming up. That you get to pack the lunch. And you get to prepare somebody for greatness. Because whoever packed this lunch, number one, they did two things. Number one, they gave him what they needed so that when God asked for it, he'll have it. But number two, he taught him who the real Messiah was. Because in that day, there were many people claiming to be this Messiah. Taught him that when a real Messiah calls your name and calls for your giftings, you say yes. I just think it's so interesting that, 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 that Ananias is the lunch packer of Saul. That, that gentleman who came to my school and invited us to youth group, he's my lunch packer. And you've had lunch packers in your life. You've had people who serve in the background in your life that you're here today. And this church, man, I love this church. This church is filled with lunch packers. This church is filled with people who give sacrificially. This church is filled with people who believe in the forward campaign. This church is filled with people who serve in kids' ministry, serve in the production, in the background, serve in the parking lot, serve in the kids and the youth ministry, in the young adult ministry. I even heard that there's a, there are some people that come here on Thursday mornings and pray over this house. It's so amazing. This church is filled with lunch packers, but guess what? We need more lunch packers. We need more people because there's more souls out in the world that need to be connected to you and I. I don't know about you because, I mean, it's like Ananias just goes away. He fades away. We never hear from him again. We never give an update on his life because it was me. 
in chapter 10, it would have been Ananias starts a ministry called I Led Saul to Christ Ministries. Come on, somebody. I'll be selling anointing oil, y'all. Come on, somebody. Holy water. Come buy this water. $5.99 for you. This is the water I use to lead Saul to Christ. No, we don't know his story. There's no Instagram followers that he gets. No Facebook followers. No spotlight. No microphone. No stage. It's almost like he fades in the background. I just wonder, maybe God is raising up a church and a generation that really doesn't care about the spotlight, care about the followers of recognition, just cares about building the kingdom of God. What if God's calling all of us to be lunch packers today? And there's a world out there that God's calling us to, to reach out to. I think there's two different people here today. I think it's a person that's, honestly, you're like Saul. You can be honest right now, you're blind. And you're not blind as far as physically, but you're blind because you don't have vision for your life. Just wandering, drifting, going from week to week, month to month, year to year. There's no mountain that you're climbing. There's no purpose. There's not, no passion. Nothing makes you nervous. You're, you're, you're just drifting. And I believe that God's calling you today and sovereignly brought you here in this moment so that God can take the scales off so you can see vision again. You can see intimacy with him again. Or maybe you could be like Ananias. God's calling your name, and he's calling you to say yes, not for yesterday's yes, but a fresh vision over your life. Maybe you've been following God for a long time, and it's time for you to say yes in a fresh manner today. I really believe this, that it's time for all of us to say yes again for fresh vision, fresh calling. Even this church, this building is great, but guess what? God's not done. This, this place is absolutely amazing, but there's still more. There's lost people. As long as there's lost people, it's time for us to grow and say yes to it again for a fresh vision. Amen, somebody? Come on, can you stand to your feet? Come on, can we give God a hand clap of praise today? Can we thank God for his word today? I just pray. I pray over your life today. I pray that the Lord may just make, make you intimate with, intimate with Jesus again. I pray that you may say yes to him again. I pray over this house that this house may be a house that says yes in a fresh manner once again. I pray over this house that there may be no one here that feels alone and you feel isolated and you feel blinded like Saul. I pray that this house will be a house of worship. I pray, I pray that this house may be a place where you can all say, you know what, outside of our comfort zone, outside of our giftings or our past or what we feel comfortable with, we will say yes to God no matter what it takes, no matter who we call to, no matter what we're called to do, no matter what we're called to say, we will say yes. Come on, I want you to say yes on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, say yes. Come on. Come on, say it again. One, two, three. Come on. Come on. One, two, three. Come on. You will say yes to the unlovable. You will say yes to people who don't look like you. You will say yes to people who don't believe like you. Come on. Because a call of God on our life is way beyond of what we see. You will see again. You will have vision again. And God's plan of your life is yes and amen. You have not seen the best of your life yet. Come on. The grace of God keeps growing. Come on. The grace of God keeps coming. Fresh vision over your life today. Amen, somebody. Come on. Let's worship.
worship our God. The prayer team, come to the front. If you want to respond right now, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need to respond to God. Maybe you need to say yes to God one more time. Come on. Maybe you need to see again, have purpose again. Come on, come to this altar right now. Don't wait. This is your moment for you to start something fresh in your life right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's worship our God. Come on, can we lift our hands? Can we worship our God today? Amen.